don't even know where you're going with this. It's uh, good morning to you. It's Bruce, Judy, and DJ Cheese. I thought maybe this was that was one of those old jingles you were going to play. It I makes me want like pork sausage. Okay, <laughs> all right. Sounds like a Jimmy Dean ad yeah, to you. Right? you. Can you can you smell the uh, sausage <laughs> on the on the frying pan I mean, in the I morning? I actually literally would like some right now. Now that you mention it, it would yeah, be delicious. Yeah, Don't right? get me wrong. Yesterday we had uh, Dr. Allison Ar- Arwady on and uh, color me disappointed. That uh, we asked her a bunch of questions, we gave her a chance to talk, and nowhere during that did she announce the mask mandate was coming back starting Friday. She basically hung up the phone with us and then walked out and held a press conference. I'm disappointed. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I, you know, I feel like Don't she was holding out on me. She's, she wouldn't have done that on any station. She That's is holding out on I'm me. I'm going to say that we prompted, which is probably good and bad. I'm thinking based on our questioning, she was like, uh-oh. Okay. Uh, we're gonna she went back in. Yeah. So uh, the mask in indoor, I guess we should be very clear. The indoor mask mandate is returning starting Friday. Does it start at midnight on Friday, 6 a.m., 5 p.m.? I need to know exactly when because you know I'm going to not wear my mask right up until the time. Okay. I'm going to say, no, no, no. Doesn't start till noon. It's 11.58. I ain't wearing this damn thing until you tell me to. Although I think one of the first things I thought was, okay, not only here we go again. But how long is something like this going to last? Dr. Arwady spoke. I know that she uh, uh, she went on to say that, uh, I'm paraphrasing, she thinks we're looking at three weeks to a month or two is kind of the time frame for the, the Delta surge, is that what we're calling it, uh, to peak right. and start coming back the down. The number's 400, so you have to be at that number for two weeks is that what I something like that? Yeah, oh, they, there's oh. so many numbers. Oh, there are there's so many. Uh, that's just a fancy word for math. I don't yeah, understand yeah. it. Um, but the, one of the reasons we're doing this is, and we're, we're seeing this in a lot of other places. I would tell you that the reality is here in Illinois, and specifically in Chicago, we're not nearly as bad as some other places. We're not at. Uh, crisis level like some right. areas are we we know that right so this appears to be a bit of an attempt to get ahead of it okay i don't like it necessarily but i i understand it um and the delta variant does provide some unique risks it's frustrating you know yeah. and i and, and my concern is the apathy okay cuz i'm going to throw myself in the apathy bucket if you will that is this like boy that cried wolf? Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm worried for myself primarily. Not that I was getting. Caught. I'm just worried that my attitude towards wearing a mask, my attitude towards all of the mitigation efforts that we went through. God help me, six months ago. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just not that into. Well, and <laughs> I'm it, just not, not that into. And you're probably a little bit angry. Like I'm not really angry. I'm just like miffed like you know on the scale right miffed Miffed. okay all right it's low all right it's like you know what yeah and i feel like uh, this shouldn't have happened right the the, why is the the delta variants now crazy i mean in some states it's thousands of cases again a day it's ridiculous in some states they have more cases today than they've ever had in a year and a half so it's worse than it's ever been in some areas not here 
thankfully, right? right? Not here. And even if the fewer people are dying, it, mm-hmm. it's still like people didn't understand. I was saying this months ago. If you let it get out of hand again, all of our freedoms are going to be limited again, and it's exactly what's happening. Is this it affects the, everything? Is this the new norm? Is this what we're going to have to deal with? Three one two five nine one eighty nine hundred. Is the masks on? Masks off? Restrictions here? Restrictions off? Uh, do this? Don't do that? Is that just going to be the norm based on this? little graph of daily cases. Do you know what I'm saying? Is it going to just yo-yo back and forth? Right. Because that, to me, like at some point, people are just going to check out and say, yeah, I've had enough of this crap. Right, because I, I, you know, we know you can get COVID more than once, right? Yeah, there's people that yeah, have gotten so it multiple times. It could times. be yeah. just a ma- It could just keep going and keep a vicious circle. Yeah, I mean, it, it might diminish, but but if but I've again, had the vaccine, is it just like getting the flu more often? And you know what? Some people get the flu every couple of years. Okay. Yeah. And the flu's deadly. Kills fifty thousand people a year. Okay. I mean, I and I never got a shot for the flu, and I've had the flu. So, because I feel I'm vaccinated. I don't feel like I need Dr. Arwady, as lovely as she is, or the CDC, or Governor Pritzker, trying to save me from myself. I'll be fine. And if I'm not, it wasn't my day. I'll point out I've been hit by lightning. Literally. I think I've dodged a bullet. (laughs) If the lightning wasn't going to get me, come on. Let's be honest. You know, and I I think apathy is going to be a big part of it. You're vaccinated, so it... It's different. If you get it, you won't die. Right. Very likely you won't die. And you might not even be sick. Yeah. That's not the point anymore. Yeah. The point is the people who aren't vaccinated, who are getting it, and who are passing it around. But you're asking me to, and, and I say sacrifice, and I'm not trying to be a martyr. Wearing a mask is not some, you know, mark of the beast or, you know, I, I, it's not the worst thing I can imagine. I, I will acknowledge that. But... You're asking me to sacrifice in that way for people who choose not to help themselves. And maybe that's where my apathy is coming from. Where I say, yeah, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm, I'm fine with whatever happens to you. That's a you thing. You know, like I, I, I've used the analogy before. I, I don't, I don't speed down. I, well, I do speed down the Dan Ryan, but when I'm speeding down the Dan Ryan, I don't look over, roll my window down, and go, put your seatbelt on. Do you know how dangerous it is to drive down this road? You could go through the way. I don't care. I know, but I'm, I what I'm trying to point out is it does, it does affect you. In the end, you will be. You think you're not affected, but I you think I'm are. Not. Well, you are right now. You got to put your mask back on. You are affected, and I'm affected, and that's why I'm miffed. But I don't think we're going to change minds. So, so the onus is going to continue to be on us. The onus is going to continue to be on those of us that have, whatever you want to say, played by the rules, well, done the right, right things. The, and I'm going to, I'm going to continue to have to. Do, no, you I don't could want be to. right about that because people who don't want to wear masks, they're still aren't going to move. Right? And and, and, nothing's want, changing in their I don't want to wear one, but I will just because you know. All right, if it helps, I'll wear one. I'm not wearing one because it helps. I'm wearing one where I'm forced to. Yeah, I'm wearing, I don't care about I'm helping. wearing it because I, I, I hope it helps. I, I, at least I'm, I'm honest about it. I, I, I don't care about helping people who aren't well, vaccinated. Well, I, we I don't have care. a number, 400. If we keep going above 400, if it's 800, if we double this number, then we have shutdowns again. 
Oh God! Point. Well, because that you know that, that gets into the whole thing about how do you, how do you enforce these things? Uh, who is responsible for I it? Have seen, Are you going to have all the videos yeah. of people fighting in the yes, aisle at I Target? I've seen workers ask people to put their masks on, and it's it's very uncomfortable. And well, you I don't know, think they want to do no, it. No, but and then it's not the workers' fault though. The workers like you got to put your mask on. The person you know you just know they're looking for a fight, and it's like. It's the rule. It's not my rule. This poor right. 18-year-old at, you know, Home Depot, he, he has nothing to do with it. <laughs> okay, but I, I know she's lying right there. You know why? Because I can never find an employee at Home Depot. Oh, I, know. I can never, I know. ever find one. Yeah. All right? I'm going to buy my own orange vest and just walk around that place, and I'm going to get jumped by people. I'm just going to, they're going to say, okay, oh, my uh, God, my, please help my me. My beef is I find one, and they're like, yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah. Is there anyone here who does believe, know? I don't believe anybody actually are? works at Home Depot. Oh. I think I think somebody shows up at eight in the morning, unlocks the door, and goes home. <laughs> I really do. And everything else after that is just the place runs itself. I refuse to believe that anybody <laughs> works at Home Depot. Yeah, you better be handy it. if you go to any of those stores yeah. because yeah, you better know what you know. Yeah. You better know what you know already oh, because yeah. good luck knowing. Right. Yeah, you're yeah. not gonna you're not gonna find out for that. Mm-hmm. So the mask mandate kicks off Friday. I still I I do need an exact time by the way. Well, I think Friday starts at midnight. So. God, son of a... I don't know. 12 one. All right. Well, mm. I might go out dancing in the streets at 11.59 without my mask on. <laughs> I, I have to wear it in my in my apartment building again. Mm. So I'd say when yeah. you're leaving for work on Friday... I have to wear it on. again. See, that's the thing. I'm just forgetting. I'm just... Yeah, I'm, I'm so out of the habit done. of it. Yeah, isn't that funny how but quickly... But I wore boom. it originally because I wasn't vaccinated. And I remember when I when we got vaccinated, it was like this, you know, uh, we don't have to wear a mask anymore. And that was kind of the way it was pitched to us. Don't want to wear a mask. Don't want to do all these. You, you get vaccinated. All right, I did it. You can't go back and change the rules now. I'm uninterested in hearing your rule changes. Um, have you had multiple careers in your life? Mul- careers, not jobs. I mean, fundamentally different careers. I was thinking about it. I think I've had three, but two of them you may not agree with. I was a paper boy when I was, is that a career? No. 16 years old, I think. 15, 16, I delivered newspapers. Nice try, though. One, so that's a no, strike one. Uh, one summer, I worked as an usher at the AMC movie Again, theater. not a career. I, I was a ticket terror. I'd say third theater on your left, not a career. No. Then I got into radio when I was 17 that years old. That would be a career. Yeah. I've done nothing since then. Yeah, I've only had a Well, I mean, literally, I've done nothing since then. I've had no, (laughs) I have no marketable skills. I have no fallback position. I have no formal education. I've had like. This is not a surprise to anybody listening. I've had 20 jobs. I swear. I've had a, I've worked everywhere, including a factory. Jobs. Jobs. Not a career. Not careers. But that's that's good, though, because it gives you a, a taste of maybe, you know, I did not want to work in a factory. Okay, um, you I, you learned what you didn't want to do. Right. I Factory of, no. Yeah, I liked food service a little bit. I don't know why. It was hard work. W- you mean like waitressing? Like no, I, and I did waitress. When you say food, no, food service. I would never. Like, but no, I worked in, in, like, my first job was at a hot dog stand, Norbell's, right on North and Bell in nice. Humble Park. And I just, I liked doing that. And then I, like, worked at Burger King. I So that kind of food service, mm-hmm. but it's hard work and... There's no money. So according to a uh, a study from the people that do studies, one in three, what percentage is that? 50%? 33%. 33% <laughs> of workers under the age of 40 are thinking about changing their occupation or field of work. Not their job. We've heard about people quitting. Literally. 
going in a different route. And to me, it strikes me the if you if you weren't doing what you were doing, what would you want to do? And I think some of this, we've been told everybody to chase your passions. I would only say, I, I hear people like a motivational speaker, chase your passion. I go, eh, keep in mind, chasing your passion. You have a backup plan. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. you, you might that, go hungry for a while. motivational speaker. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know uh, uh, genius is never recognized in its own time. I hate to break it to you. You could be the, a great but artist, the pandemic, but it's going to take 200 years. The pandemic has Has made a lot of people, I think, yes. look at things differently. And and you, I mean, it makes total sense. Yeah, and people, you know, one in five are like, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe I'll just do something else. Where well, would before, you? Or you would never say that. What would you do if you weren't doing then? Then a career change, not a not a job change. What left? Where would? What do you want to do? Are you asking me personally? Yeah, yeah. I've actually thought about this because I I did this a couple years ago when I left my job of many many years, and I was like, you know what? I want to do something else. My next adventure. Guess what? What? I don't really want to work anymore. That's what you discovered. Yeah. I mean, ah. I, this job was... Your career changes unemployed. Right. And taking this job, really, I liked it because it was something I hadn't done. I hadn't been, uh, you know, done a show as mm-hmm. much as I worked in a newsroom. So that appealed to me. But even this was like, I don't know, I'm kind of used to not working now. And I'd like now we're all wait. I need. I still need to have health insurance and money. So I have thought my biggest thing I always think about is maybe I could, I could have a diner. Lucky's Lunchbox. Oh, I've thought ah. this through. I was going to say. Wow. Yeah. But I always come back to the same Is thing. Is it a diner for dogs? No. Well, Lucky's your it's dog. It's just because I want the, one of those old signs that light up the Lucky's. I want like oh, a... I can see I, that if sign. I, if I could just have a counter, that's all I would have. Okay. A counter. And I think I might just make one thing a day. Oh, really? Today's meatloaf, mashed potatoes, and That's green what beans. it is. But I come back to the same thing. What's that? It's a lot of work. You have so to work I, at it. That is correct. Work. It is work. I, you know what? <laughs> nope. Don't want to do it. I want to do whatever it is that doesn't require work. Right? I want to go maybe work there for a while and own it and make all the money, but I don't want to be there all day and do the books and okay. hire people. Oh, God, no. So I'm ready to go be a truck driver. I want to drive trucks. I love driving trucks. Really? Yeah. I had one. I had a really big truck, my truck and trailer for the race car. It was a semi-truck. And I love driving it. Huh. Like, like half the fun of racing for me was driving to the races. Like, Interesting. all right, we're leaving. We're going to Iowa. Burm, burm. And did you like truck stop stops. at truck stops? Oh, oh okay. Of course I had to you stop had at a truck experience. stop. The thing was 65 feet long. I had no choice. I had oh, to, my gosh. I had to go to, it was a, it was an 18 wheeler. I think I counted it because I had to buy flipping tires for it. 14 wheels. I had 14, not 18 wheels. But well, I, What is it you liked about it? I just like driving the truck. I like going down the road. I like seeing things through the windshield. I like I like stopping at interesting places along the way. I just I like driving. Wow. I want to be a truck driver. Is it too late to be a truck? No, it's, not no, too late. it's, I, it's I, never too late. To be a truck no, driver. yeah, you can still do it right okay. here. What about? There's Bruce. Yes. <laughs> Bruce, come oh, through. Break the one nine. Rubber ducky. <laughs> what right. about you, Cheese? I wouldn't mind being um, a chef. Like I would, no, I would really go to like that. culinary school. Okay, and learn. Do you have a skill in it now? I love to cook. I can cook fairly well. Okay, but I would love to learn like what is fairly beginning. well? Is that a dish I'm not familiar with? Fairly well is you know it's, what? It's yeah. rice with. Uh, <laughs> no. I know what that means because Cheese and I talk about uh, you know our dishes we make. Yeah. So I, and I, I'm the same way. But again, Cheese, a lot of work. Yeah. Lot, and oh my gosh, you have to work like 20 hours a day. Because yeah. I thought about that too, but I crossed that off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Along with event planner, so, antique store, and voice coach, all we, we have all these these ideas. So, so you're interested in a career change that doesn't involve work, right? 
Although, I'm not sure what that is. Now that you mention it, Chase, maybe we could do a food truck. I was thinking maybe there a food go. truck isn't Lucky's as much Lucky's Lunchbox work. food truck. <gasps> Lucky's Lunchbox. And we just give them all like a paper bag. And the truck looks like lunch. a little old school lunchbox. Oh my gosh. Big handle on I was the thinking doghouse. I was thinking it would look like a doghouse, like a peaked yeah, roof on it. Yeah, but then people might think it's for dogs. They people might think are so crazy dogs, now, yes. they might think, yeah, we want to think you're, you have a lunch, a lunch truck, truck for, a, a food truck for dogs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you can have Lucky I'll take a bone and a bowl of water, That's the stupidest idea I've ever heard. A food truck for dogs. Hold on, We will have it for both. It'll be for both. Oh. They will get a bone. Here we go. Hey, Ted, how are you doing? Yeah, you hear me? Loud and clear, buddy. Got your ears on. (laughs) (laughs) You're driving right now. You need, well, we won't say, but you need professional help. (laughs) I do. You're saying I shouldn't. I was going to go get my CDL and everything. Oh, it's really not that. I work for a good company in Champaign, Illinois. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's not bad, but I would want to do it for 11 all the time. I only do it six months out of the year. Really? Okay, see, I could do that. I could be a part-time truck driver, for goodness sakes. I hardly work as it is now. Uh, you know? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, yeah, but I, there is a bit of a... Ted, will you acknowledge? There's a bit of a romance that I think a lot of people feel like of being a truck driver. I realize probably the reality is very different, but yeah. it does sound kind of cool, doesn't it? Um, no. <laughs> all right. Well, Ted's trying to talk me out of being a truck yeah, driver. You can't convince Ted, him, and he's a truck driver. Be safe out there, all right? You be be careful, yep. all right? Oh, God, I, I oh love it. Yeah, that yeah. Was the, that's the romantic part. You said when you're driving and you're a kid, and you're like, little kids do the little They do that to us in yeah. our truck. I had, a, I had air horn in Oh, my gosh. Yeah. My kids said, well, they always did it. It was yeah. great, all the way to Florida. All right. <sighs> well,. Our criminal of the day has an idea for maybe a career change, all right? Although, I don't know about this one. Shout out to Ralph Puglisi of Tampa Bay, Florida, who answered the question, what would a Florida man man spend millions of embezzled dollars on? Allegedly, Puglisi has been embezzling money for years from his job, a nonprofit affiliated with the University of South Florida. Oh, my goodness. Over $12 million has gone missing. And what did Ralph buy with his ill-gotten gains? A boat? Drugs? A beach house? Nope. He spent nearly all of it on an adult website. (laughs) Talk about customer of the year. (laughs) To make it even creepier, he spent a large amount on a channel belonging to his stepson's fiance. Welcome to Florida. Right? Welcome to Florida. Now, Puglisi has admitted guilt and is facing up to 20 years in jail. But he's also facing a civil suit by the university as they try to recover some of the money. I wish you guys best of luck. So for finding the most Florida way to spend $12 million, you, Ralph Puglisi, are the Bruce St. James Show criminal of the day. All suspects described above should be considered innocent until found guilty in a court of law, no matter how crazy they are. We're going to jump right into the 6 o'clock hour, taking a look at the big stories that people are talking about. Jeez, will kick us off. Yeah, Texas Governor Greg Abbott, who opposed the mask mandate, has tested positive for COVID-19. And he is fully vaccinated, though. Oh. So at least we had that. Judy He is vaccinated. Interesting. Ring-a-ding-ding. A A new area code coming soon to the south and west suburbs. 464 will be added to areas that now use... 708. Hmm. The mask mandate 
is coming back. Indoor mask mandate in the city of Chicago kicks off Friday as the numbers continue to tick up. You know, we've been watching uh, now for almost a week Afghanistan I say devolve. I, I, I think that's a fair uh, way to put it. Uh, maybe not quite as much uh, panic and um, um, disarray as there was initially um, for a variety of reasons. I, I think it might be fair to say. But one of the things that I have questions about and one of the things that I have concerns about are people who served, those who sacrificed. Those who returned with scars, physical or or mental. Those who lost buddies, loved ones over there. How are they feeling about this? How do they look at our 20-year war over there and see and think, have... What, what was it all what for? What was the purpose? Yeah. What was it all for? Joining us right now is Dr. Paul Lawrence, and Dr. Lawrence is the former VA Undersecretary for Benefits. Uh, Dr. Lawrence, thank you for spending time with us today. Good morning. Thanks for having me. I got to believe that a lot of vets are questioning their service, and a lot of them are maybe even struggling as they see the Taliban, for all intents and purposes, take over again, and the country is getting back to what it was in 2000, basically. Well, I've talked to a lot of Afghan vets, as you could imagine, recently. And it's interesting. You know, they all sort of say, well, we knew we would eventually leave. But they are, by and large, shocked at how quickly everything fell apart. And I think, you know, the military prides themselves on having a plan. And they're surprised. There is no plan. There was no execution. This was all avoidable. It was a leadership failure. And they point fingers at the president and are just wondering, how could this happen? So I would say they are pretty unhappy as a group well but in fairness i mean the the afghani force that they've been we've been training for 20 years just laid down their arms i mean they didn't even they didn't even try that certainly is a big part of the failure is the afghan military didn't fight yeah i mean i don't know that it was so you know of course there are so many problems with how they the exit you know we under did the undertook the exit of course but the fact is Afghanis didn't they put their arms down the the leaders left and they just let it all happen I guess what people are having a hard time connecting is just you know four weeks or so ago the leadership of the military sat in front of Congress and said this could never happen it would take years and it did and so either they are colossally incompetent (laughs) or they are lying and I don't think those are great qualities for leaders to have and at the VA when that people like that were doing that around me they got they exited their jobs Doctor, again, we're talking to Dr. Paul Lawrence, the VA Undersecretary for former VA Undersecretary for Benefits. Uh, uh, last year, I mean, I've been dealing with with issues like this and dealing with vets and the benefits. Let, let's talk about those 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 veterans, though, and the returning veterans, because I know that one of the things that you were focused on uh, at the VA was taking care of the men and women who were coming back. And I mentioned, you know, the physical scars and the the mental scars as well how how do you think the va is doing taking care of our warfighters 
Well, I think they're doing a very good job. The last, you know, last team, our last team, you know, really set things up in a good place. Trust scores with the VA were at an all-time high. But you're tying together a very good point, which is what should we be doing now about veterans? And so people can do things. We don't have to rely on the VA. We're encouraging everybody to call somebody you know who was a veteran who did serve in the Mideast and letting them know, you know, they're not alone during these times. We value their service and sacrifice and remind them of a couple places they can call. There's the crisis hotline if you think people are really in a bad place, and also to reach out to the Wounded Warrior Project. They started for 9-11 veterans, and they have resources available, too. So I think it's really an, uh, on all of us now to connect with veterans and let them know, you know, we're all in this together. Here, here. Well, what is the number one issue facing vets today? Well, there's, there's no, I wouldn't say there's no number one, but like everything else, it's, you know, like whole care, right? It's mental, it's physical, and the like. So we would call it physical and mental care. That's the one issue. We, of course, worry about, you know, folks who would harm themselves. The suicide rate is too high. And then, of course, you know, part of what happens from service is you earn benefits, and that's what I ran before. Mm-hmm. So there should be the timely administration of benefits. You come, you apply for benefits, and that's done pretty quickly. So that's also a big issue. So it's Essentially, you know, the quality of care as a veteran, because that's the promise we make to them when they volunteer and enlist, right? You will have things afterwards. So it's delivering on that promise. And 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 I'm I'm thankful that the VA is is working to deliver on that promise. Uh, as sadly, I think a lot of us know uh, vets who have struggled. I I lost uh, a friend uh, to suicide. A, 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 who, you know. Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I struggle with it to this day that I didn't call and I didn't say something. And and could I have made a, a difference in the life of one of these? But it really drove it home to me, Dr. Lawrence, how some of these people suffer uh, silently and how it's difficult for civilians to try to understand. I, I could never put myself in his shoes and go through what it was like to, in his case, be in a Humvee that was blown up. Like, I, I just I, I have no concept of it. Yeah, it's very hard, and and you're right. It really hurts the people around them afterwards. I've been surprised in my former job. Folks we thought were fine committed suicide 24 hours later, Mm. and we don't understand this. So there is no magic pill. If we had it, you know, we would be distributing it widely. But I do think the connectivity is really, really important. Um, Two-thirds of the folks who commit suicide, two-thirds of the 22, are not connected to the VA. So this is why we remind people, please connect with the VA. It's not the answer, but it's, you know, it's a good place to start. It is a good start. Dr. Lawrence, thank you for your time today and appreciate your work with uh, VETS. Thank you so much. Thanks for your for your interest as well. He's Dr. Paul Lawrence, the former VA Undersecretary for Benefits, as, again, a lot of veterans have to be looking at what's going on in Afghanistan. And I don't want to speak for them, but there's probably a range of emotions they're going through watching the Taliban retake areas that they fought for themselves, that, that, that blood was spilled in that valley or in that area. And now... Um, the Afghan army walks away. The Taliban just marches in and, and retakes it. And you, ha- I gotta believe yeah. you gotta think, well, then what was all this for? What do we, what do we do this for? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I would be, listen, there are a variety of intelligence failures might be the terminology, which is fair, but somebody has still has to explain to me what specifically went wrong with a 300,000 man Afghan army armed with the latest technology from the United States, aircraft, 
tanks, Humvees, weapons. 20 years of training them to be a fighting force. 300,000. And roughly 75,000 Taliban ran them out of the country and made them drop their weapons in the period of a week. And you say made them, but really... We don't even know that they they may have done it willingly. They just yeah I, yeah. I don't know. How did we miss? But I don't know the answer. Yeah, and how did we miss that? How did we miss the fact that there this was never going to change? It was going to go right back to being Afghanistan. I wonder if the grunts knew that and the bosses were lying. Yeah, you know, I wonder. You know, because I, I I've I've heard from kind of the men, the, some of the the men who fought there, who I haven't spoken to them recently, so I'm not. I don't want to say that they knew this, but none of them had. I guess to use the term, hopes that uh, uh, Afghanistan was going to turn into a representative democracy yeah. anytime I mean, soon. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, now, yeah, the, no. most we're, now we're, the most we can hope for is that the Taliban will be a little bit more progressive. Mm. Yeah, maybe not as, well, again, we're grading on a yeah. curve when we say yeah. not as crazy as they were before, right. maybe. I hope none of you are going to have to go to a hospital. God forbid an emergency room, right? Because... It is a Byzantine, I hope that word word means what I think it means, Mm -hmm. system that I would argue is almost built to make it impossible for you to figure out what anything costs. Name something else that we buy in our society where when you ask them what it costs, they just kind of giggle at you. They're like, come on, nobody really knows what this costs. So, we'll just let You'll you find know. out. We'll let you know. Yeah. We got to do this. File a claim and see. Right. Joining us right now to talk about that Byzantine system is Dr. David Wilcox. He's the author of How to Avoid Being a Victim of the American Healthcare System. Dr. Wilcox, good morning. Thank you for spending time with us. Good morning, Bruce and Judy. Yeah, the, it, it is surprising it is shocking if you will how our health care system works not that the health care side of it but also the the insurance side of it i can't be the only one that that is continues to be surprised that i can't figure out what anything costs well you know um bruce that's built into the system because the health care entities who profit off your health care dollar don't want you to know what it costs i mean how many how often do you go into a store, pick up a loaf of bread with no price tag, take it to the front of the store, and find out it costs 20 bucks? I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to leave it there, right? Yeah, you're going to say, screw you guys. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. But, <laughs> but you know, not you don't so do much if doctor. you have a broken arm. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay, so, so that's a little different. If you have a broken arm and you need medical care, you really don't have much choice, right? I mean, you know, if you're going to get an elective procedure, you can go on uh, – the Centers of Medicare and Medicaid Services site, look up your doctor, see his star ratings, look up your hospital, see their star ratings. But if you got a broken arm, you're going to the emergency room, you don't have much of a choice, right? You've got to wait it out, and you've got to take whatever they give you. How, how can consumers, I use the term shop around, and what is the benefit to you shopping around for, for health care, finding a, a better price, knowing that it can vary, I just don't get a sense many people do it. And by the way, by many people, I mean, I don't think I've ever done it. Well, they don't let you do it. Your your insurance company tells you pretty much where you can go, right? Right. It, it's a maze. So with the different payers or insurance companies that we have, we can't even we can't even begin to fathom what they're going to cover and what they're not going to cover. So a good example of that is Medicare and Medicaid. There's a law on the books that say that they can't even negotiate drug prices. The largest payer of health care in the American health care system 
can't even negotiate drug prices. Let that sink in for a second. Who designed that law and what Congress passed it? That's craziness. Right. It's just craziness. Well, and, and we know why it was passed. The, the drug companies lobbied enough so that, God forbid, they, they have to sell drugs cheaper. Do, what options do, do people have, though, doctor? So options around drug prices? So let me give you a story. My dog, my female dog, Pippi Lou, she had to go on Viagra. Why did she have to go on Viagra? Because it was invented as an anti-pulmonary hypertensive. And so my wife went to get a one-month supply of Viagra because, you know, they jacked the prices up on it once they found out about the side effects. And it was over $800 for a month's supply. Now, I love my dog. $800 for a month's supply? That's crazy. So she pulled up the GoodRx app, and she found it for $63. Point being, if the drug manufacturer can sell it for $63 at a profit, why is it jacked up to $800? There's, There's no reason for that. Good, good. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you why is it every time I've gone to the hospital and I've taken a Tylenol, one Tylenol, it's cost sixteen dollars. Yeah, it, exactly. It's beyond making a profit, right? It's it's gutting us. I mean, it's it seems like it, not only is it unethical, it seems like it should be illegal. You're right. It should be illegal. So let's talk about that a little bit because this is a bipartisan issue, right? I mean, this would be easy to cross cross aisles and figure something out. But all we see is executive orders around this. We don't ever see anybody coming together in the political realm to be able to say, let's control this a little better. Um, I know of a a generic manufacturer of a certain drug that was $17 a pill. And once they found out nobody else was doing it, they jacked it up to $750 a pill. I mean, that's outrageous, and it, and, and it shouldn't be tolerated by the American people. He's Dr. David Wilcox. Again, he's got a book out that, that sounds like we should all be reading it right now. How to Avoid Being a Victim of the American Healthcare System. Is the assumption that insurance is always cheaper? Uh, you, you mentioned drugs. Is, is, the, is the assumption that we make that if it's covered by our insurance, that copay or whatever, that's going to be the cheapest way to find something? Are you telling me that maybe it's not? It's not. No, actually, um, you should take anybody who's out there listening to this. If you have a high priced pharmaceutical prescription that you have to get filled, you should definitely hit the GoodRx app um, because they may be making deals with pharmacy benefit managers. And that's a whole story unto itself. Uh, these middlemen who sit there and they make these decisions about who's going to get what and at what price. Um, I mean, we could do a whole other podcast. Yeah, on that I, I didn't even yeah. know that was a thing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but, doctor, what's the number one thing consumers can do? Just right off number the bat. One, yeah, the number one thing you can do is educate yourself on the American health care system. And that's why I wrote the book, is to educate the average American. Nobody's doing that. I mean, you, you walk into the health care system and you're at their mercy. Yeah. If you, if you know a few short tidbits of information you can keep yourself safe in a hospital you can lower your high prescription drug prices and you can handle the insurance claim denials so i mean that's the number one thing is get in there learn about it and you know when you see politicians getting 62 million like they did in the 2016 election 
from the pharmaceutical industry, you've got to wonder who they're working for and you've got yeah. to be, and you've got to write them and you've got to talk to them and say, hey, look at, you know, who are you working for? Yeah, I guarantee you they got a return on that investment. Yeah. Dr. Wilcox, appreciate your time today. Again, the book's called How to Avoid Being a Victim of the American Healthcare System. Thank you very much yeah, for I'm your time. Well, but, but I mean, think, is there another product or service that we pay for? And that we put where up with you like don't this. know the yeah. price until you a, after you've checked mm-hmm. out, basically. Yeah, right. Because you would make better decisions. Absolutely. I would think, you know, and it would be a competitive situation where doctors or hospitals would have to compete on price. It's it's one of the few industries. Again, I can't think of another one where price is irrelevant. It's just, it doesn't matter. It yeah. is what it is. Yeah. And no one looks around at it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you can see how uh, it so quickly it can go downhill for you. Back in the day, hold on. And it wasn't so long ago. Shopping online and feeling like, hmm, this is a little dodgy. You think I'll ever get this? I can't believe I'm going to actually put my credit card in here. I'm never going to see this, right? You know, this is never going to happen. Uh, um, to now... Buying things online without a second's thought for many people. They've made it so easy. One click, just click here, and later today, somebody will show up with a box. It's amazing. I mean, seriously, Amazon did just do, they're like, next time, just go straight to checkout. Yeah. Bypass all this stuff. One click, I have the one click. Yeah. I I never do that. Yeah. Because that gives me an extra five seconds to reconsider. Well, maybe you need that five <laughs> seconds because um, according to a recent study, the average American wastes $70,000 in online purchases. Not makes 70000 Waste. Things that were disappointing. Things that weren't what you thought it was going to be. Stuff that maybe doesn't fit very well and you just never do anything with it. I can't tell you the last time I returned something. Yeah. And it's so easy. Is it? <laughs> you know, you could just go to, if, so Amazon uh-huh. is so easy. You can go to Kohl's and just literally. You Wait not, a minute, you can buy it on Amazon and return it at Kohl's? Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. You go to Kohl's and you can, they have a little kiosk. You walk up, it doesn't have to be in a box, in a bag. You just plop it down. Really? They give you, it couldn't be easier. Same thing, you go to FedEx, any of those places. You don't even have to box it up. They will do that. For free. Why do I not wow. Because I never, I never return things. I guess I'm their, I'm the, I'm their example of someone who just like I buy it and I go, that's stupid. Why the yeah, hell? Yeah. Now I having it? said that, I, I have, I have returned things, but yeah, no, I've kept a lot of stuff. I don't. Need. I gotta believe a lot of us buy things. They say it's almost nine hundred bucks a year that we buy things that it just isn't what we thought it would be. And I will I will acknowledge that, I don't know, some of it might be embarrassing. Like, you buy it and you're like, I thought that was going to be really cool. And you get it and go, well, it's not really cool, but whose fault is that? <laughs> it's kind of my fault. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Really, I really thought that was going to be something better than it was. I, I find myself buying things all the time going, I didn't think that's what it was going to be. Well, they I, make those yeah. infomercials for a reason, you know, to sucker you in. Suck like, oh my God, I must have that now. I, I, have to, yeah. I have to go buy those now, like pass them up, because I do. I start to watch, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, I, that. first I see the top, and I'm like, that is the dumbest looking, you know, old lady top. And I'm like, you know what? 20 minutes later, you're like, oh, I'll take oh three. Oh, my God, I want every color. <laughs> All of the colors of the rainbow. Okay, I have so- a friend who used to be a, a, a host, I don't know what the terminology is, host on QVC. Mm-hmm. 
hosted one of those shows, yeah. you know, and she would different stuff or whatever. And I just, I, I went there and I visited the QVC studios and it's, it's an amazing machine, thing yeah. in and of itself. It is a machine, yeah. how they do it. Uh, uh, it's the world's only 24 hour a day network. Con they're live 24 7, 365. Crazy. Yeah. Constantly. And you better wow. get it before it runs out. But, cause they only usually have five left. I'm like, who the hell is <laughs> buying things? At 2.30 in the morning are on a Saturday. Kidding? And she's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Here are the numbers. It's amazing that people... I think a lot of people, they buy things when they're drunk. I think that's what it is. Oh, yeah. Or just... I th it's like, not a sickness, but it's like gambling, kind of. You know what I mean? You just can't stop. But think about this, how quickly things have changed. Amazon. Amazon is now the largest retailer. Just surpassed Walmart. Okay, I'm shocked that that wasn't already true. I was going to say, my thought was, you mean he didn't beat Walmart already? Right, but it yeah. goes to show how big Walmart was. But in a short period of time, I mean, let's just be honest with each other. You know, Amazon and Walmart buying things forever. on Amazon, you know, wasn't a thing 10 years ago. Yeah. Right? I mean, in a pretty short period of time, they have become the largest retailer out there. That's pretty amazing in and of itself. How quickly our habits change. For example, I go to the store and I buy a five-pound bag of the best dog food there is for my little Lucky. Of course. And it's $10, $10. at the grocery store. And so every few, whatever, you know, every month or so, I pick up a bag. Got it. I went on Amazon and I was trying to get up to $35 to get uh, free shipping. Okay. Even though I should have, I am a, I'm a Prime member. Well, I was up to $35 for something. So I added on a bag of the dog bag food. Bag of dog food. It was a full $4 cheaper and... That's pretty big change. Only, but I could get it every month. Why don't you sign up for sign our up monthly... Sign up for the subscription. Uh, yeah. Signed up. I got my first bag yesterday. I will never again buy dog food at Walmart because it's just... Why would I? The cost alone, because you know I'm frugal. Mm -hmm. That alone. And then why I don't have to go now if I'm ever... You know, because there are... The, trust me. If it's not even like if we run out of milk, I'd be like, yeah, you can wait. If we ran out of dog food, I would run right now, out. Now we're serious. Yeah, we got to go. Now so gonna, now I'm gonna always going to have it. Yeah. We're going to need a snowmobile in the garage just in case we run out during a blizzard. Lucky's going to need more uh, more dog food. We oh, better wait. make sure. He could just eat our food. No problem. Yeah. This is kind of scary, though. Why is that? We're going to need robots. We're probably going to use robots to deliver our stuff to make it easier. And okay. Why is that scary? Because robots may take over the world after because that. Because of them taking over the world. So. Okay, interesting. Nobody else. Somebody that. watched a scary movie last night. <laughs> yeah, somebody, somebody's watching Black Mirror. Go and binge Black Mirror on Netflix again. About. Yeah, yeah. I I can't keep up with all the things I'm supposed to worry about. I guess robots delivering Miranda, by Amazon. Everyone knows it's going to be the dead people who come back to life. Hello, oh, yeah. Hello. Oh no. Duh. Yeah. They might already. They might already bat. work at Amazon. You need a baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire. I'll get one of those. There you for go. You. I can probably order it on Amazon. <laughs> right, yeah, have it yeah. delivered for you. Absolutely. Okay. That'll work out well. It's under walking debt. Good morning to you. A happy Wednesday. We jump into our seven o'clock hour. Taking a look at the big stories that people are talking about. Judy will start us off. Well, a new WGN TV poll shows residents' concerns about rising violence keeps increasing and. A majority of those residents give very low marks to Mayor Lightfoot, as well as State's Attorney Kim Fox. Bruce? Speaking of the violence, bullets flying on the Dan Ryan Expressway last night. One person killed, another injured in a apparent road 
rage shooting cheese. Mm, yeah, Texas Governor Greg Abbott, who opposed the, the mask mandate, has just tested positive for COVID-19, and he just hosted a party where he uh, was meeting with constituents and taking pictures, And but he is fully vaccinated. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Vaccinated, didn't want a mask. Oh, God. Just don't, you don't even know where to start with all that. Yeah. Um, School has already started for for some students, right? And uh, almost every day, there's another district uh, that's that's starting off. Another school is going to reopen. Variety of things we've talked about: masks and not masks, in person, not. But Naperville is facing its own kind of interesting uh, thing. Uh, Naperville District Two O Three. Well, could the teachers go on strike just days after? The kids come back. Joining us right now is the union president for the Neighborville Teachers, Dan Iverson. Dan, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, I want to give you a chance to tell me what is the issue, at least from the union's perspective. What are the teachers asking for and why now? Well, this is uh, sort of the culmination of almost really a three-year process. Um, At the end of the uh, 2019, our last multi-year contract was up in 2019, and the district asked us for a one-year extension at that point because they wanted to uh, make some changes to the school day. Uh, We agreed to that, to a one-year extension, um, and then uh, the district decided not to make the changes that they asked us uh, about. And then we got caught in the middle of a pandemic, and so we agreed to another one-year extension just to make sure that we kind of all knew where the economy was headed. And now this round uh, for a multi-year has been going since January, and right now really we're down to two issues. One is uh, we simply want to be able to use our accumulated sick leave um, for the duration of our FMLA time, our 12 weeks, with a newborn or a newly adopted child. Right now, current district practices um, – that we can only use six six weeks of, of sick time for that. Otherwise, it has to be unpaid. And um, the other issue is simply the, the district's asking more of us. Even though they didn't lengthen the school day, uh, they're actually asking uh, for additional um, intervention time for us to, to uh, plan for and, and spend with kids. And uh, if they're asking for more time, the compensation should simply reflect that. And so that's kind of, in a nutshell, where we're at. Dan, why is it that you can't negotiate while school's underway? We are, actually. I mean, um, school starts tomorrow, and uh, we are negotiating, actually, in uh, 50 minutes today. So, um, you know, so we're, uh, we are, we haven't set a strike day. We have, we have an intent to strike vote that was overwhelmingly approved by our members, um, but we haven't set a strike date at this point. And, you know, I I hope we don't have to. I mean, I think that as long as negotiations continue to uh, proceed, I don't see a real need to do that. Um, but, um, you know, I mean, unfortunately, um, you know, this, this has gotten further than I think any of us wanted it to go. Um, I think we're not really sure why it's gotten this far. We're, what we're asking is well within the revenue streams of the district. We're very sensitive to the needs of taxpayers. And, um, quite honestly, uh, all of what we're asking for is easily, easily affordable. Um, the district, in fact, actually gave that $10 million to taxpayers earlier this year. So I remember that. We're, we're pretty, yeah, right. Yeah, when they they refunded money, basically, they said they didn't use because of pandemic-related type things. We're talking to Dan Iverson. He's the Naperville Teachers Union president. And and Dan, um, you know, I I I'm gonna guess I know your answer, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. Do, do you get a sense that 
after what especially parents have been through in the last year, year and a half with uh, uh, kids, school, pandemic, that maybe they're not as supportive of some sort of action by the teachers right now that m- maybe they just want to get on with the school year? Yeah, well, you know, to, to be real clear, uh, Bruce, I mean, I, I, there's never a good time for a strike. And okay. <laughs> this, this is absolutely maybe the worst time for one. And there is um, no doubt that every one of our teachers understands that. I mean, we're all parents as well now. Most of us are parents as well. We understand what the pandemic has been. Um, that uh, there's not one of us that takes this lightly in any way, shape, or form. We really, really... Um, I think, honestly, it stands, um, I think it's a pretty powerful statement that in spite of all of this, and in spite of the fact that really it's not in the DNA of, of kindergarten teachers and, and sixth grade teachers to, to not be with their kids, that 95% of them voted uh, to, to approve it in intent to strike. I think mm-hmm. it really, it, it speaks to where we're at, because I, I, I actually would agree this is a, I mean, we need to get on, and we need to have a reasonably normal school year, and we really hope that that's what happens. When was the last time you guys did go on strike? 1991. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, this is we're not. I mean, this is this is pretty unusual for us. We're, we're not we're not a, uh, a group. In <laughs> fact, you know, yeah, that, that uh, you know that, that does this. I mean, we have a pretty good track record. In fact, you know, in the wake of the Great Recession of of you know after 2008, we voluntarily took a pay, pay freeze because CPI was zero at the time. We knew that the district's financial future was. Um, you know, in doubt if, if we, uh, you know, demanded a very large pay raise in that way in that time. And, and we, we understood the need. Mm. And so we've been pretty good partners with the district, I think. And, and, um, you know, I feel like, you know, what we're asking for right now is easily affordable. I really don't feel like, uh, anything again, I, heck I'm a taxpayer in the district. My kids go to the schools too. I, I want them. I want, I want my daughter back in school, uh, as well. And, and, uh, I certainly don't want my taxes going up. You know, so you and, so negotiations are underway. You haven't had a strike since 1991. Uh, you say that you know you took a strike vote, but you haven't set a strike date. So I mean, it seems pretty positive at this point. But it, it doesn't think, sound threatening. <laughs> no, no, yeah, and honestly, I mean, you know, look, I mean, there's there's nothing more inherently threatening that a teachers union can do than threaten this, than, than I take a strike vote. You know, I, we get that. I understand that a hundred percent, but you know, it, it's also prudent to make sure that, that all of our legal options are open. And, mm. um, you know, and we think that, that, um, you know, we're there. We, we, we had a really good session yesterday. We didn't make any tangible progress, but we had some really good discussions with the district, uh, on the issues that, that are still out there. And we're, like I said, uh, you know, we're going to go in later this morning and, um, and and working and hopefully get something done and and you know if we can't get it done today we'll set another date and we'll try again so we're going to keep trying until we get this done um but i have really been gratified by a tremendous amount of support from the community it's not obviously universal and it shouldn't you know shouldn't be in something like this but um the parents have been really really um positive we had a rally the other night there was almost a thousand people there um and that was just it wasn't just teachers it was you know parents and students and um you know so it, it's it's um, I, I think we're, you know, I, I'm, I'm optimistic. As optimistic as I can be, having taken a, a strike vote, 
that we can get to somewhere good. Again, he's Dan Iverson, Naperville Teachers Union president. And Dan, shifting gears a little bit, um, uh, let's hope this all gets solved and and the school year moves forward. Uh, Are you are you confident moving forward that that schools can be safe, that the kids in Naperville will be able to go back to school and that uh, the environment uh, from a, a safety standpoint is acceptable to you, the teachers? Yeah, I am. I mean, that, that obviously, uh, you know, COVID has been uh, a large part of my, my job um, over the last 18 months. And, and so I've paid as close attention to anything as, as far as how mitigation strategies have worked. And I think the, the, the uh, guidelines put out by the IDPH and, and ISBE um, right now are about as sensible as they can be as far as with regard to the science, uh, with regard to, to the research for outdoor transmission and, and the, the effectiveness of masking. I really think, you know, if, if what we have to do to have a normal school year is mask the kids and the teachers, then that's what we have to do. And um, it's, I think, a small price to pay for having everyone in class and having something like a normal year going on. Dan, appreciate your time. Best of luck to you. And uh, we may be checking back in with you at some point. All right. He's Dan Iverson, yeah. Naperville District 203 Teachers Union President as we uh, uh, school kicks off. Uh, tomorrow for them and hopefully stays in session i think uh, fingers crossed that everybody's like that hey good morning appreciate you spending some time with us today it's bruce it's judy it's dj cheese and we got the news the news from dr arwitty are we have we settled on arwitty yeah okay I, I struggle. I have to it think every time. It used to be Arwadi. It used to be Arwadi. Now we've changed it to Arwadi. Well, that's how she says it. So we decided Let's go with her version. We decided to go with her version. <laughs> I'm fine with that. <laughs> that uh, the masks are back. A mask mandate goes into effect Friday in the city of Chicago, uh, reverting back to days of old, you may remember. Um, At this point, the state has no plans to mandate. They are recomm- The state is recommending you put your mask on, but... Other than Chicago. My first concern was, first, here we go again, number one. Yeah. Number two, I don't like this. And number three, how long are we looking at? Is there a chance, I'm going to leave public health out of it, politically, socially, is there a chance that anyone in elected position or in a position of authority could survive going back and implementing more of these harsh mitigation efforts, regardless of the public health inbound. I I will acknowledge that. But could they survive shutting down restaurants, uh, 20% capacity, whatever it might be, 312-591-8900? Is there any chance that we would go back in the hole? That, That from a political standpoint, Governor Pritzker is already running for re-election. I see his ads. I don't even know what the yeah. election is, yeah. but he's running for re-election, right? Yeah. I guess you just have nothing but money. Like, run some ads talking about how good I am. All right, we'll do that. Well, I do guess it comes down. I guess do it comes down to whether you think it's important or not um, that that they're taking into account the public safety. But I think issue. politicians, are, at the end of the day, are going to do what's politically expedient for them. Okay, they're not going to stop. If, being if I judge on that, then that would be the worst thing they could do. That to me would be so unethical. If you're going to say that we, for public safety, we need to put our masks back on, we might need to have mitigations. Hopefully we don't. If you're telling me that because of the public safety, well, then that means something to me. If you're going to say, you know what? I know we told you that this was imperative to keep people safe, but 
I know you guys don't want to wear the mask, so we're, I'm, we're not going to make you wear them. But isn't that what they've been doing? We suggest them. We 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 encourage. Yeah, well, I you think know? they're. I they've think been trying to kind of walk that line. Yes, because for people it. like you who are so ah, I don't I can't do it. Yeah, I, I think don't that wear it. right. I, and actually, I say people like you. I don't want to wear it either. I think they are trying to make it as as you know as less painful as possible. I think masks is as far as they can go. I think if masking and a mask mandate doesn't change the numbers or whatever, I don't think there's another step. I don't think it's a tenable position. I don't think the mayor, and by the I don't way, think the governor could go another step th- without, I mean, people with pitchforks. This is why you have Dr. Arwady making the announcement, by the way. No politics uh, involved. She's a doctor. This is, you know, and, and even at the state level. It's, I mean, and, and who knows if that's a ploy. But, yeah, I mean, they're walking a very fine line, obviously. But, so, that's what we need to know. If it's not so much about public safety as it is about, I don't know, just the numbers or the, the colors, the letters, then, okay, uh, then I'm probably going to go to your side a little bit more and say, well, let it, let it be what it'll be. People will get sick. People will die and, you know, the thinning of the herd. But if it's about public safety and not because Dr. Arwady part of the public, because she said (laughs) her fear, her biggest fear Mm -hmm. is that this will mutate again. And by the way, it's going to. And we and I'm going to tell you right now. And the vaccine will not be effective. I'm going to who then we're back to square one. Who doesn't think that's going to happen? I I mean, what point what what that has happened in the last year and a half leads you to believe it wouldn't. Well, I, I was pretty convinced a couple months ago because I didn't think we'd be here. I didn't think we'd have exploding yeah. cases again. So I thought if we had done it the right way and people had gotten va- I mean, who would have thought people wouldn't want a vaccine? But your, your premise, the problem with your premise is it's, it's conditioned upon people doing something they don't want to do. I don't assume anybody is going to do something they don't want to do. I'm saying I didn't anticipate that people wouldn't want a vaccine. Hmm. I, I I think we're at the point now where what thirty percent? I was ready to kill thirty five percent. You know, yeah. hell, it won't, won't do it. Period. Full stop. Yeah. Lose their job. Don't care. Get sick. Don't care. Infect their kids or their grandparents. Don't care. Fine. Why should I care if they don't care? <laughs> why Why should I have to do it? I keep getting back to that yeah. where you're asking me to sacrifice in some way, shape, or form. And I realize a mask is not the worst sacrifice on the planet. For people who don't care about their own health and safety. Well, so what happens if it, if if we get another variant and it's it's deadly, everyone dies from it. What then? Now but, we've said, oh well, gee, I guess I, maybe I should have worn my mask. Maybe we should have tried to tamp it down. Yeah, but that that's still not going to change their minds. They're 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 in. They're, people are in hospitals. But it might change uh, your with, mind with to, a, to be with more a, with a breathing tube. And they're saying, I still wouldn't get the, nothing is going to change their mind. I'm talking so, about you, though. I'm talking about if it kills you. Well, I won't care if it kills me. I won't be around to worry about it. So. Had a good I, run. I, would, I don't Had a good run. Yeah. yeah. I've already beaten the over-under, yeah, yeah. quite honestly. I mean, you know, between racing, lightning. lightning strike, I mean, seriously, no one thought I'd make it this far. <laughs>
Hey, it's Bruce, it's Judy, it's Cheese, and we've been talking a lot about Afghanistan. Earlier on the show, if you missed it, we had the former VA Undersecretary for Benefits, Dr. Paul Lawrence, on talking about the impact that uh, what's going on in Afghanistan is having on vets who served, those uh, still out there. Good point, especially if you uh, uh, know somebody or you served yourself to, to go back and listen to that uh, on our podcast. Also get some information on how you can maybe help some of the, the veterans, those that are, are yeah. struggling. But... You know, we talked a lot about Afghanistan, and and we thought maybe I I I, I, post, I tweeted something the other day at the Bruce St. James, which was a map of the Middle East without the names of the countries, and said, "All right, tell me which one's Afghanistan." Because I say that not to be overly snarky, the but middle I th- one. I think a lot of people uh, have very strong opinions about places that they literally couldn't find on a map. Okay, Mm -hmm. so maybe we need to have a little bit of a history lesson and learn a little bit more about what exactly Afghanistan is. And uh, if some of my thoughts um, about it's reverting back to what it was always going to be are true. Joining us right now is Professor Nicholas Grossman. Professor Grossman uh, is a University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign political scientist and international relations expert. I would love to take your class, sir. That sounds fascinating. Well, I'd love to have you. Okay, well, there you go. We're in. He's not a very good student. I, I, I'm not a very. I talk too like much, him. quite honestly. But, uh, Professor, you know, we're watching what's going on in Afghanistan, and there appears to be, and I use the term, you know, it's a well-worn phrase. Those that are ignorant of history are are doomed to repeat it. Is what's happening in Afghanistan over the last couple of weeks an an example of the history of Afghanistan? Somewhat. So I'm a bigger fan of the phrase history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. Okay. Um, And so it has some similarities to the past. You know, Afghanistan is known as the graveyard of empires for a very good reason. The British Empire failed there. The Soviet Union failed there. And now the United States failed there. So um, there does seem to be a degree of futility with powerful outside countries that go in and try to change the place. Yeah, we, we think about, and, and, you know, we spent 20 years, uh, uh, training and arming a military. We held, uh, had elections held there. There was this democratically elected, uh, government. Is part of the problem in Afghanistan that the concept of democracy, for lack of better terms, is, is foreign to them? That's part of it. Um, though democracy is foreign to everybody until they try it. You know, okay. It goes back to say the start of the United States, for example. You know, democracy wasn't here in the sure. 1700s until um, you know the American Revolution. So it's not necessarily that uh, they would be opposed to it as a general concept, but the society is still very tribal. Um, it has a variety of uh, ethno-religious pies that uh, tend to overwhelm any sense of Afghan nationalism. So there weren't a lot of people who would necessarily fight for Afghanistan. It would be more fight for their their ethnic group or their tribe or, you know, their their family or their town. Professor, what do you think is going to happen next in Afghanistan? So in the country, most likely we'll see the Taliban already has power um, and they will probably consolidate it. They'll implement some sort of religious fundamentalism that was similar to when they controlled the country in the 1990s, or at least when they controlled most of it. Um, And so that would see things that would be quite harsh to a lot of 
women and girls to, say, LGBT people. Um, it's also possible that Afghanistan once again becomes a base for transnational terrorism, as it was in 2001 with the September 11th attacks and al-Qaeda. The Taliban has kept up a relationship with al-Qaeda throughout. Um, also now ISIS has a presence there, although ISIS sometimes fights the Taliban. Uh, right. It's complicated. Um, but uh, they also have a pretty strong incentive after these 20 years not to have a foreign invasion come back in and throw them out of power. So even though they managed to win after 20 years, it's not like they would want to do it again. So, so maybe they learned a lesson. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think the Taliban has, has learned that uh, high-altitude carpet bombing is bad for morale? Probably, yeah. Yeah, that, that, and maybe they'll, they'll change their ways. Everything, but yes. Is Sorry? there? Do you take anything positive from the fact that the Taliban said made a statement about that they were going to allow women into their fold? No, not really. I, I would really take that one with a grain of salt. First, keep in mind they're saying that to the world and they're saying that to Western media. So you're getting it of a Western media said that the Taliban mm. said that they will do something. And when they made a public statement, they said that they would have women's, they were going to protect women's rights within Islam's limits. And it's important to remember that when they say women's rights, they don't mean what Americans say by women's rights. And when they say Islam, they mean a much more fundamentalist kind of harsh version than most of the world's Muslims practice. So I would not really take their word at that. They might have a few, say, token women that they then present diplomatically and say, look, look, we're being good to women. But things like girls' schools will be shut down, and if girls try to go, they might face violence. He's Professor Nicholas Grossman with uh, U of I down in Urbana-Champaign, political scientist and international relations expert. You know, along those lines, you know, one of the things that, that I thought about is after 20 years of war, well, I say that, actually, Afghanistan's had a heck of a lot longer than 20 years of war, 20 years that we've been involved in war in Afghanistan, uh, is the society, for all intents and purposes, it is what it is that this version of Sharia law, this this um, um, extreme Islam, the, the warlords, the 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 feudalism, the tribalism. I, I mean, it it strikes me that for all of our good intentions, it you're not going to fundamentally change who the Afghan people are. That's who some of the Afghan people are, and it's clear that that's enough of a force in that society that it can control the area without outside help. Now, I think it's also worth noting that um, there were a lot of other Afghans living differently over the last 20 years, and they needed U.S. support to do it. They need and support from some other countries to do it. Um, but there were at least some of them who wanted to live that way, and a lot of them also now will probably leave, which might make the society even more reverting mm. to the way that you're describing. Question: can I, can Millions I, of refugees. Can I follow up with that, Professor Grossman? Uh, there were some reports <laughs> that the Soviet Union, <laughs> and we talk about short memories, has has reached out to the Taliban in an effort to maybe curry favor, gain favor. Is is that a concern of yours? Is that uh, in the absence of an American presence, that uh, other other nations move in? Somewhat. So a power vacuum is a problem, both because it can be a place where international terrorists can set up, even if they don't have the government's permission. And also it'll be a way that America's rivals, especially Russia and China, 
might seek to increase their influence. Um, but also, uh, the Russians tend to say a lot of stuff, and there's a degree of trolling at the international level of where, um, you know, they're almost trying to rub America's nose in it in the process. Um, because while they may gain more influence, and China, for example, um, might try to mine rare earths, for example, that would be useful to them. But if China and Russia want to go in, there's also a lot of burdens. Yeah. It's not like they would be able to control it any better. So I don't think they're going to try to do anything dramatic that mostly set up uh, relations with the government because uh, while the United States doesn't like the idea of, say, a fundamentalist religious government or a corrupt government, uh, the Chinese are perfectly happy to work with the <laughs> Doesn't bother them in the slightest. Anything, they might like it more. <laughs> I would tend to agree with you. Professor, thank you for the education today. I hope we did well. Well, you certainly yeah, didn't gloss over anything. Me. I wish you could have been a little bit more positive, actually. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it's not a positive situation. I know. It's pretty tragic one yeah. way or the other. Here, here. Uh, Professor Grossman, you. Uh, U of I political scientist and international relations expert uh, on a little bit of the history, because I do think it's important. It's the most you, important you thing. You understand that uh, I think Americans had this idea, and, and it's, it, it comes from a good place. We want these people to be free and have fair elections and women can go to school and they're going to have factories and everybody's going to have a job and the loan iPhones. That's not what Afghanistan is. It's, 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 you know, and there's a huge difference. I've, I've, I've learned way too much about this. Yeah. Iraq and Afghanistan are nothing like each other. Iraq has like satellite TV. Yeah. You know, Iraq has paved roads. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Afghanistan but my fear now, has mud huts. Right. I fear now we've we've like especially when it comes to the, you know, the female part, we've now brought up these people. We yeah. here's what you could be, here's what you can't have. We'll and see. Now, Will it take hold though? But uh, and, No, and, and, I feel like it's gonna go right back to what it I was. I don't disagree, and, but fundamentally, at some point the Afghan people yeah, have to determine have to what do. it is they want. We can keep wishing for them. To want to be Switzerland? It just hasn't happened. And I don't think we can, we can't force it upon them. Absolutely. We'll see what happens with that. So I take a lot of guff, grief, dare I say, for playing video games. But could video games actually help you lose weight? No. Yes. What, in your <laughs> finger, in your hand? Yeah, I mean, I, a new study suggests playing video games might actually help you lose weight. You could burn 420 calories over a two-hour gaming session. Is that if you're, like, playing bowling or tennis no. or ping pong? No, it's got, it probably gets your heart rate up, you know, you're, 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 you're into it like that. I, I'm sorry, when you game, are you sitting down the whole time? Yeah, I don't stand. All right. Yeah. Let's start there. Okay, so I am sitting. I will give you that. Some people probably laying down, right? I think one of the problems is is a lot of people eat crap while they're gaming, and so you're ah. defeating the purpose. Like you know, what I'm saying you might be burning calories with the actual uh, concept of it, but then you're doing. I'm working on getting into the top fifty thousand worldwide. I'm closer. Nice. I told you I play a lot yeah. of Call of Duty. I don't even know what that means. Yeah. The top fifty worldwide. There's there's mm, a couple hundred million players, and I'm. Ranked sixty thousand something. I'm getting closer. That's pretty good. Yeah, I. You go. Oh God, your mouth goes. How many hours a day do you game? As many as possible. Don't ask. As many as possible. Whenever I get. So you game every day. I try. I don't always. Yeah, but I if I have free time, yeah, I just turn it on. 
knock a few games out, complete a few challenges. Yeah, I like it. And who knew? It's my yeah. new exercise routine. Yeah, right. Exactly. You are doing. I, okay, I, explain this to me. I'm ready. If you game for two hours, two hours, got it. It's equivalent to about you're burning. They say they who these people are liars. Four hundred and seventy-two <laughs> calories over a two-hour session. Four hundred some odd calories. That is the equivalent of doing one thousand sit-ups. I would much rather play Call Bull of Duty for two hours that. than do a thousand sit-ups. Yeah. Do you know how much you sweat during a game, Judy? It, no. Why? You're sweating it's, involved. Oh yeah, it gets yeah. intense. Yeah, Bruce, you know it gets intense. <laughs> But you're sitting Miranda's down. been playing Call of Duty. Yeah. By the way, not very good. I mean, so are you getting better? A little bit. My KD's up to 1.00, so that's okay. pretty good, All I right. think. Your kill, kill to death ratio. Oh, kill to how, death. How many, how many other players do you manage to kill as opposed to you getting killed? You want to have ah, okay. a positive KD, meaning you kill more people than you get killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you're sweating because... You're yelling at the TV. You're standing up. You're sitting involved. down. There's a lot of emotions going on. There's a lot of emotion. It is. It's a physical thing. Who knew? Wow. Who knew? And yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna eat it like a Mars bar, it'll take you 57 minutes to burn that off. So yeah, well that's the thing. Like, yeah. You got you can't, you can't eat crap while you're playing. A lot of thing. A lot of people do that as well. They kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, they do. Yeah, I can't do it because my fingers get slippery <laughs> and I can't work the controls. Sticky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cheetos might not be the best. It's horrible. Oh, yeah, you better just get orange yeah. controllers yeah. and that'll yeah. uh, that'll that'll solve that. Hey, let's go to Paul right now in Bensonville, Paul. Uh, do you know what two songs DJ Cheese scrambled up for us? Yeah, how you doing? That was uh, Yamo Be There and Sweet Freedom. Yeah, you're right. Nice, I, yeah. I made fun of Yamo Be There. I, I went to the 40-year-old forty year old Virgin movie where I said, I'm going to Yamo burn this place to the ground if I have to hear that song again. All right. Hey, Paul, congratulations. You got yourself a pair of tickets to go see the Doobie Brothers coming Sunday night, August 29th, the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. Have a great night on us. Enjoy yourself. Thank you so much, AM890. Love you. Copy that, Paul. Appreciate it, and congratulations to you. Thank you for listening. We'll jump right into our 8 o'clock hour, take a look at the big stories people are talking about. The mask mandate is back starting Friday in the city of Chicago. Indoors, mask up, cheese. Yeah, Texas Governor Greg Abbott didn't mask up. He was opposed to the mask mandate, and he... Caught COVID-19, unfortunately, and he was fully vaccinated. And vaccinated. So, yeah. Never know, Judy. It happens. Yep. So a new area code is coming soon to the south and western suburbs. Get ready for 464. That'll be added to the uh, areas that are currently have a 708. All right. 312-708-630. Four, I, six, four. I feel bad for like the cool kids that had 708 tattooed on themselves. Yeah, like, what up, 708? Like, we changed your area code. Hey, remember okay. this? Remember this? We didn't even have area codes, okay? Yeah. <laughs> we My phone not, number was, there was no area three. Code. Yes. It was <laughs> Rosebud793 or yeah, something. You had, I, you sorry, had to talk I'll to tell a lady. You exactly what mine on was. Evergreen, EV47588. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, BR eight. Oh my gosh! Wow. But there was no, there were no area codes. You, Judy up. remembers her first phone number though. <laughs> Are like you guys serious? It's amazing. Well, no, yeah. she does. She does say. But that's it. But, EV four seven five eight. Part of the reason is is because it was one, right? That was your first phone <laughs> number. Yeah. Wow. I remember funny. my first phone number only because <gasps> it's a palindrome. Five eight eight six eight eight five. Five eight eight six eight eight five. 
I don't know what a palindrome is. Same <laughs> forwards as it is backwards. I know it. You know, as a school heads back, we know, again, Monday was first day of school for some people. We know tomorrow is going to be first day of school for others. Um, there has been a bit of a debate, at least nationwide, about masking here in Illinois. It's not a debate. Masks are required in schools. But there has been this back and forth, and the impact that has on children. Joining us right now is Dr. Joshua Estrin, uh, author of the book, Shut Up and Listen to Yourself. God, I love that title, by the way, doctor. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Chicago. How are you? So far, so good. So, you know, one of the things and 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 your area of expertise is, you know, kids are getting a lot of, dare I say, mixed messages in a, in a COVID era. How are they dealing with that? Well, Yes, they are. And as adults, we're getting mixed messages. So now imagine you're young, pre-adolescent, God forbid, back in the throes of puberty, and you're you know, on social media, watching the television, listening to mom and dad or the people around you speaking. You're hearing words like, you know, mask, don't mask, uh, vaccinate, don't vaccinate. Then that horribly terrifying word, variant, especially for young children, it sounds like a horror movie or, or, or some video game that you're not allowed to watch until or, or play until you're a certain age. So, um, yes, uh, once again, there's a lot of information out there, good, solid information, facts, but there's a lot of misinformation out there, too. And, you know, our, our little human nuggets developmentally can only process <laughs> so much. I mean, it's hard enough for us as grown-ups, right? So when it comes to masks... Who is in charge, the government or the parent? Or who should oh, be in on. charge? You, do you really think I'm going to answer that question? <laughs> come on now. Um, no, I think, I think there's, there's facts that parents have to wade through. And I'm not going to tell any parent what to do. But what I am going to say is that there is compelling um, research. You know, I'm not an MD. I am a PhD, which means I spend far too much time reading data. And the data is there that masks are not um, 100%, but they certainly decrease the potential for anyone who's wearing the correct mask to either get sick themselves or be asymptomatic and, God forbid, give it to anyone else. So what should parents do? They should consume as much of the information, the real facts that they can, and stop listening to these other people who are trying to, fa- to decide what's best for their families. That's what's really getting me fiery, especially mm-hmm. when it's the medical, medical community. I, I, politics and politicians, I, I've never understood them. They're from another planet. But the <laughs> medical community, of which I'm a part as a, as a licensed psychotherapist, they need to stop parent shaming. It's starting to... Uh, Starting to get me a little uh, angry. Yeah, and Dr. Joshua Estrin's with us right now, and I think there's a what you're talking about. There is the the, the shaming or uh, uh, guilting, whatever whatever it might be, it might be having the opposite effect that people are wishing for. I think you're right. Um, as I said before, as a researcher, I spend a lot of time, air quotes, researching. And one thing that I can tell you with complete confidence. It's that there's, there's never been a time in history that when we, when we shame or we try to force people to do things our way rather than, ha- rather than have real conversations, that anything 
good comes out of it, that we really solve any problems. It's about really talking to people, understanding why they're, they're making the choices that they are making and maybe helping them understand how to make better choices. Look, being a parent, the cliche, doesn't come with an instruction manual. It also doesn't come with a crash helmet, seat belt, <laughs> guardrails, and, you know, impact glass. It's a slippery slope, and I would... I would say arguably the vast majority, if not nearly all parents want to do what's best for their children. So when parents make choices that we may not agree with, they have to take a deep breath and, and really try to understand where they're coming from. And, and for all the amazing doctors out there, I'm in the healthcare pro- profession and I think that the majority of doctors and nurses, et cetera, are really compassionate people who want to save lives. But For those bad apples that are spoiling, you know, the pie, when you point a finger, Doc, there's three pointing back. So you better be perfect. Your family better be perfect. Your relationships better be perfect. Mm. Your health better be perfect. And you better be raising perfect children before you start telling other parents that they're bad or wrong. So, but, you know, instead of saying it that way, what about this? You can't beat your children to a pulp. Right? It's wrong. No, that you know? is illegal. And, that and is it's illegal. illegal, and the government tells you you can't do that. Why? How is this different when they say your kids need to need, need to wear a mask to stay safe and keep other people safe? I mean, how is it different? Well, one of the, one of the responsibilities of being a parent means that you're the grown-up. And I've, I've heard some robust debates, you know, children who are deciding they're not going to get vaccinated. So now I'm going to give you my opinion, and it's just that, is that at some point, someone has to be the parent and someone has to be the child. Mm -hmm. And we have been making decisions in the best interest, to the best of our abilities for our children since the beginning of time. When we came out of the caves and we hunted and gathered, we were like, hey, there's a really big dinosaur out there. Stay away. (laughs) Is this really any different? Hmm. Interesting. Uh, doc, Dr. Estrin, I wanted to, to finish with this and kind of getting back around it. Do kids and masks. And I, I just think of, I'm going to, you know, your wheelhouse, the psychological impact. Are they more resilient than we give them credit or do masks scare them? Uh, does it, does it lead them to believe there's this invisible thing out there that's coming to get them? Well, yes and yes. I think that children have unbelievable resilience, especially when we give them age-appropriate facts. Can masks be scary? Absolutely, because there is, just like you said, kind of this invisible enemy out there that can make them sick. But if we also explain to them the option, not wearing a mask increases the potential for them to get sick, then I think contextually and age-appropriately, we can help them understand the the lesser of two evils. Again, masks are a superpower, but they're not, you know, they're not the, the whole solution. We also have to talk to them about social distancing and all the things that we've been talking about. And so, again, um, having those important conversations about difficult topics with our kids is kind of what we, um, we invested in when we decided to have children. Whether you're a parent, a grandparent, an aunt, a friend, um, it's your responsibility because... You know, these little human nuggets are going to be on the planet and they're going to inherit um, what we've created. 
Doctor, thank you for your time today. We appreciate it. He's Dr. Joshua Estrin, uh, also author of the book, Shut Up and Listen to Yourself 2.0. Thank you for that insight in there and, and, and a conundrum. He I gives think. parents a lot more credit, I think, than Dave. <laughs> hey, good morning. Bruce, Judy, DJ Cheese over there with a little Devo for you, working in a coal mine. Hopefully, if you've been working in a coal mine, <laughs> you spent the last year and said, you know, it's time to do something else. Okay, <laughs> let's go in a different direction. I would sincerely hope you yeah. coal miners uh, are, are, are looking One for a job new line I've of never work. had. Yeah, well, and an luckily, oil rig. I've always wanted to work on an oil rig, too, but there's never nothing got stopping there. you from. Yeah. Uh, there is now. Yeah, it doesn't sound fun. No, so uh, and it's work. There is work involved. I'm led to believe that uh, a lot of people, a large percentage of people, took the last year, year and a half, whatever you want to call it, to change careers, not jobs, not not go from the subway sandwiches over to the Jimmy Johns. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's not a career change. That's a job change. But just fundamentally change what they do. Are you one of those people? 312-591-8900. Did you change careers in the middle of a pando? They, Be interested they to reassessed, know. right? Well, and that's, I think, a lot, a lot, a lot of people of have like under, these epiphanies. And under 40 years old, by the way. A lot of them on, yeah, uh, younger people. When you people. get to 50, it's the numbers go way down. Because at 50, you're just like, ah, just might as well. Try to, you know. <laughs> just play just out the play street. Out the- <laughs> <laughs> well, I got 15 uh, years left. I think I can do it. I got nothing yeah. there. What hey, am I going to do? Dave in uh, in Thornton, how are you? Hey, good morning. How are you? Excellent. Tell me, so you, you did a career change. Tell me what you used to do. Uh, well, I did printing for 30 years. Uh, printing, like? Uh, 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 I did folding and cutting, collating, okay. made books, just did everything. Print The printing business. Okay, I got yes. it. Yes. Please and tell you- me you're an author now. <laughs> no, I work downtown at an electrical supply company. So you went, you, okay. Can well, I ask why? Kind of a weird story. Yeah. We, um, during the pandemic, we were starting to close down, doing layoffs at the printing company because most of our stuff was casinos. Sure. So when all that's shut down. So my general manager left, and two months later, he offered me a job downtown doing something completely different. And uh, I was terrified. I turned them down three times. Yeah, I bet. And uh, but they were doing layoffs where I was working, and I just jumped ship. Yeah. So this now was I'm making more money. I'm getting more overtime. Uh, look at that. The, the lesson yeah. in that is: don't be afraid of success. Good for you. Hey, and Dave- I also drove a semi for five years. Oh, oh see, that's, now Bruce's yeah, that's my job. Bruce- I worked for. I did printing for thirty years. My company was going out of business, so I did. I took my license. I went to school over the weekends. And got my CDL. By the time they closed down, I was starting to finish uh, school, graduate. Yeah. So they sent me right on the road, right instantly. <sighs> so I did that too. I want to be a truck driver, Dave. That's my. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm well, gonna switch gears. So you say that now, but when they sent me to Vermont in the middle of a blizzard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Two yeah. weeks after getting my license. Oh, yeah. Good <laughs> so luck, I right? After five years, yeah. and went back to printing. Then all the COVID wow. stuff happened, and. Now I jumped ship, so I did three careers in the 35 years I've been working. Outstanding, Dave. Good. 53, so I just heard you say uh, the numbers are lower, so don't yeah. be afraid to change. Don't be afraid. Okay, yeah. I'll be 54 in October. Here, here. You might have another career in you yeah, still, Dave. Yeah, one I'm more, not, maybe. I believe in you. Sounds like I believe in you. You could be part of the 12% over Appreciate 50. it. Dave's got that going on. Now, but, you know, I think, I think a lot of people, and, and Dave's was kind of forced on him. 
I will, I will grant you that. That the pando for some people made them just reevaluate, but some people did this voluntarily. Some people, it sounds like, and I, 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 I've, I've met some folks who haven't pulled the trigger, but they're talking about it because it strikes me that they maybe got more in touch with their mortality. They, they started to think about what's life really about. Do you live to work or work to live? Right. You, you know, one of those things, you know, and did the, did the pando and all the crap that everybody went through, did it make some people just reassess the way they look at yeah. things? Yeah. Well, I mean, it certainly changed a lot of people's current job situations, whether it's you worked at home, you stopped commuting. You stopped going out to lunch. But changing a career is a big deal. But I'm saying those little things or, you know, kind of medium-sized things maybe made people say, you know what? I don't want to uh, commute downtown anymore. Yeah. And I like the outdoors. And I've always wanted to whatever. Be, be you a know? park ranger. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised. Yeah. I, well, or, you yeah. know, the other one, I'm surprised no one has said astronaut. Didn't you guys ever want to be an astronaut when you were little? How about that? <laughs> well. Well, I did want to be an astronaut, but then I thought, well, that's going to be impossible to do. But now, now you can go work for apparently you know, everybody can be yeah, an astronaut. Go work for yeah, exactly. I could absolutely do that. So that's outstanding. Hey, we've got Nick Gale standing by, and Nick, I know that that took a dark turn. It's uh, Bruce, <laughs> Judy, <laughs> and Cheese. I got a, I got a, a text from a, a friend of mine uh, early this morning, late last night, early this morning. You know, that there had been reported groups of teens attacking and robbing people in the loop. And he sent me a thing, goes, be careful, I want you to know. He knows I, I walk to work in the morning. So, yeah. of course, I responded, yeah, that's my that's my guys. We're good. <laughs> we're, yeah, you know, we're, you know, that's my crew. That's my, that's my posse. Part of, part of, you know, yeah. We're good. No, don't worry about us. We got, we're holding it down in uh, Streeterville. Street of Villains represent. Um <laughs> I just heard Nick Gale talking about the return of a mask mandate. This was uh, just announced uh, yesterday that indoors in Chicago, you'll need a to wear a mask again starting on Friday. And, you know, one of my first thoughts was, how is this going to affect restaurants? R- restaurants who we've had the, the pleasure of talking to a variety of of uh of restaurant restaurateurs restaurateurs those people that own restaurants and you know to a person they've said yeah things have gotten better but boy that was a hell of a hole we're digging out of you know and we're not ne- we you know we're not back to anything uh, appearing normal but now with masks coming back will that impact the restaurant business and maybe more importantly how would it impact the restaurant business? Sam Sanchez is the chairman of the Illinois Restaurant Association. And while he understands the need for masks, if you go much farther past that, I think it's fair to say they have some concerns. So those. Because it's not worth it. I think they learned. Yeah. I, you know, I think they learned over the last year and a half that certain capacity restrictions. You're just better off not opening the doors. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're a smaller place. If you have 10 tables. How do you, yeah. yeah now you only serve five, four or five. You've got right? to have a you know, server or two and a cook. And a, yeah, it's better to just go back to delivery, I guess. Yeah, well, yeah, if at all. Because add into that, there's still staffing shortages. They're still having trouble finding mm-hmm. people. Right. So think about all the, the workers you who came back to work and it, you might be going the other direction again yeah and i feel like 
I mean, anywhere I go, it's open. It's the businesses. There is, you know, the business is there and you're getting service, but it's not anything like it used to be because of the shortage. It. Yeah. And I'm I don't judging judge it by it. service. And it's just even though I think they're scrambling a little bit, you're see, I think you're seeing more of, you know, places I go where I know the owners, the owners are delivering food. They're taking they're, your they're, drink they're, order. Yeah. Everyone's you know, working. working. Yeah. All hands on deck. So you almost wonder if this is a little bit of a breather. Now, the Illinois Restaurant Association um, says it is relieved that this announcement didn't include capacity restrictions so it doesn't they're okay they're like you know what put the mask back on they say a lot of people have been wearing them anyway and they're hoping you know time will tell right the next two weeks we'll know if the, if the, if the cases keep going up because the magic number for restaurants is 800 cases a day well i We're think at four i think we need to get the, the the message out if you will so that patrons business patrons restaurant patrons don't take it out on the employees. Yeah. This is not their decision. I think it's maybe safe to say a lot of restaurants, for example, wouldn't want this, don't want it. And uh, I have a feeling I will forget. My my worry is more not that I'm going to cause a scene and argue with them. Is that I just won't remember. I'll walk in and I'll yeah. just forget. Well, because then, I'm just used to. That's fine. You'll be like, oh, shoot. Right, Sorry. You right. won't be like, What? Right. What well, did you say to again, me? Again, I'm not going to take your it mask out on. On, yeah. on the on the the hostess the at the restaurant yeah. or the, the 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 checker at Target. I mean, the it's 18 not year them. old at Home Depot. Yeah. Well, you claim doesn't work there, but I've seen there it. are none he of them does there. Work there. There. Nobody yeah. actually works at a Home Depot. I refuse to believe that. And he, and you know what the sad part was when he said, "Put your," you know, he was he was kind of afraid. So, sir, sir, could you, you need to put your mask on? And the guy was just like, kind of, you know, had his mask in his hand, just kept walking. And he followed him, though, that 18-year-old. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, you know, and, and therein lies the rub, right? Right. I mean, you now you're asking an 18-year-old to... Be the mask police. Be the mask police. Mask cops. So hopefully people will just... I, I mean, I think it's it's going to go two ways. Your way, which is, no, I'm done. Or, all right, I'll put the mask back on for a couple more weeks. But this better be the end of it. Hey, Candace, where in Wisconsin are you calling from? Right now, oh. I'm going down downstate, and uh, if anybody even tries to tell me to put a mask on, uh, they'll be telling. I'm just telling them to f off because I'm over this. I'm over Pritzker. I'm over Lori Light, but I moved down the state of Illinois to get away from Pritzker, and um, we have a little bit more sanity in Wisconsin, although not much more. Um, but yeah, Candace, do you understand my point that you know the the guy running the restaurant here in downtown Chicago? It's not his call. You know what I'm saying? It's not them doing it. I understand that, but I'm, what I'm saying is we are free Americans, and who are these people, these agencies? This is a flu. I already have this, okay? It's a flu, and I'm sorry that some people are not in good shape and have all these comorbidities, but we never did this. This is this is it's not about COVID anymore, and I hope you guys start to see that because um, I'm just going to resist, and I don't care what happens. No. All right, hey, Rob in River Forest. Rob, what is the what is the other? What's the next step then? Do you think they they have got to allow businesses to have the right to demand to see a vaccination card? Mm. And my proof of that, and and we will not have to shut the city down. You don't have to wear a mask. My proof of it is that Lollapalooza two weeks ago, yeah, hundred thousand people every day. My son had to show a card. People did not have to wear masks. It was not a super spreader event. The vaccines work and businesses should demand, they should be able to demand 
then you show your card. And, I, and, and there's nothing, and if I, correct me if I'm wrong, Rob, but there's nothing stopping businesses from doing that now. I think their concern is they would rather have it mandated by a city or something so that they're not put in the place of, again, being the, the vaccination guy. card mm-hmm. cop, you know, all of a sudden. So that's what the city should do. The city should say, from now on, if you want to enjoy these public things, you have to show a card. And I think that's what New York is doing. I think, uh, Rob, yeah. I think that's exactly what New York, uh, I don't know if it goes into effect today or it went yesterday, but that's that's now New York's policy. Yeah. And again, and again, Lollapalooza, we just 100,000 people every day, not a super spreader event. The vaccines work. Yeah. The, uh, it's you're a good not point. hearing an argument. It's a really me. good point. Yeah, Rob, appreciate appreciate the call. But yeah, is that the is is the solution to not wearing masks proof of vaccination? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. But that gets. I keep bringing it back to this. That's that segregated society we're going to have. We're going to have Candace who refuses to wear a mask, may not be vaccinated, whatever, doesn't want to show it anywhere, and there'll be certain restaurants, businesses. The Home Depot, yeah. the Target, the, you know, the Portillo's mm-hmm. that she just is not allowed in. You can't set foot in the building and you'll have to go to places that don't, that do allow that. And, and then other people who are willing to show a vaccination or are, uh, will wear a mask, they'll be allowed in certain other buildings and we'll just segregate ourselves. That we'll have the haves and the have nots. We'll have businesses that cater specifically to one or the other groups. And they're going to make that decision. I'm going to assume. Based on the available customer base, the audience yeah. they have for it, right? Yeah, the customers for sure. And let's not forget, we're talking about Chicago. Yeah. Cross the border into, I don't know, Oak Park. Any border town, this this requirement is not in effect. Right, which is you part of the ridiculousness have, yeah. of it is that people yeah. don't, mm-hmm. you walk across the street and there's a mask mandate, which is, you know. Yeah, like I leave my COVID's mask. I leave my mask in the car because I don't wear a mask anywhere where I live in the suburbs. Right. So I leave it. So I make sure I have it when I come here to Chicago and to my office building where I need to wear. But it. you're going to have businesses. You've got to imagine businesses with multiple locations that are going to oh, do yeah. a a policy that's independent of any local or municipal thing. You know, mm-hmm. you got to believe because. They themselves don't want to have 18 different policies. They want to have a, a singular policy. Yeah. 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 Well, the bottom line is our, um, our cases are rising every day. Hopefully we'll hit a turning point and they'll start to go down. And then we don't even need to talk about this. <sighs> hey, good morning to you. Bruce, Judy, cheese. And, uh, listen, I don't think you can get away from it. Afghanistan continues to, to dominate a lot of the, the conversations, a lot of back and forth, a lot of Monday morning quarterbacking might be a good way to put it as to how things are going. But it is kind of interesting. And, 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 and Judy, I know we saw today that at least publicly, the Taliban seems to be, what do I want to say? Singing a different tune? Well, that's what I was hoping when I heard that they said they were going to be more inclusive with women in their ranks. But we did have a professor on from the University of Illinois who debunked that immediately. As I said, he was not very positive to my views. 
Well, he just he just said he would take it with a grain of salt. That the the proof is in the pudding as to whether or not the Taliban will be anything other than what they were previously, along the lines of did they learn any lessons? Yeah, and you know what? For me, it's because I'm a woman, and I that's what I kind of focus on when I think about Afghanistan. They, you know, girls were able to go to school. Now they're they're going to be all shut down. They, yeah, salons, everything is. I. Every video I see, and believe me, it's nonstop videos on the networks, there are no women in public. I thought that was interesting. You know when you saw the, the people fighting to get on the airplanes? All men. It was all guys. Yeah. Well, women, yeah, they're because once the Taliban... No, I'm being serious. Like, yeah, even yeah. had that, that one picture looking into the, C, the C-17, uh, looking uh, the C-5, mm-hmm. the galaxy, they're looking back into that, and it's like they're sitting on the floor of, yeah. of, of a cargo. It's all guys. Yeah. Well, if you're a woman in Afghanistan under Taliban rule, you are not allowed in public without an escort. And full coverage. And full coverage, yeah. yeah it's not yeah. like the Titanic where it was women and children first. It's the opposite there. Opposite. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, but, th- but that gets to part of the point. And uh, I'm not defending it. I'm explaining it. That's part of their culture. Yeah. You know what? And we've been fighting that culture for 20 years. And guess what? That culture's been around for thousands of years, and it ain't changing. No, obviously, it's just not going to change. If they, you wanted, can wish for it. If they wanted to change, I think the time would have been a couple. You know, a week ago, and when the U.S. said we're leaving, here you go. Here's here's some equipment. And here now, this is your country, and they all put their arms down, well, and the leaders left. Well, it's interesting. Why did Afghanistan fall so quickly? You know, I, I think there's certainly an argument you can make that there was a failure of intelligence. Uh, that that uh, and we we uh, we had a guest on on earlier, Dr. Paul Lawrence, a former um, VA undersecretary for benefits, who said, you know, the generals sat in front of Congress and said, yeah, you know, the Afghans are ready to do this on their own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just weeks ago, we've done all we can. We've trained them for twenty years. Uh, yeah, that that somebody missed something along the way, and I thought that, that this is interesting, and it seems like we make the mistake over and over again. And here is the parallel, I think, would be fair to make with Vietnam. And Afghanistan, okay? Because not all the parallels fit. They're very, very different. But once an outcome is inevitable, soldiers on the losing side run away. They discard their weapons. They take off their uniform. They try to blend back in to society. Hmm. Um, Especially when they were only fighting because it was their job. We were paying the soldiers. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, it was the only job they could get in Afghanistan. So they weren't fighting for some a notion cause. of democracy ne- or yeah. the love of a government, which, by the way, was corrupt to the core. So the minute they saw the writing on the wall, they handed the keys to the tank over to the Taliban. They gave them their, their, and they their went rifle back and, to their said, village. and said, enough of this crap. I'm not dying for a cause. I never believed yeah, it. I, again, I go back to the U of I professor who talked about the tribe mentality. There's still tribes out there. It's not about this unified democracy like we no. understand it. We try to impose on them our way of life. They have a different way of life. It's just the way it is. You know, it, it, it is not an exaggeration. Uh, and there's a ton of amazing documentaries out there. Hornet's Nest, uh, uh, Korngal, uh, uh, some of these, uh, Restrepo, some great documentaries that you can kind of understand a little bit more about what's going on in Afghanistan. And one of the most telling things that I saw was, uh, speaking to a village elder, 
um, who talked about the fact that his family had been there through an interpreter as long as time had existed. And that he had never been outside of the valley that he lived in. Nor had anybody he ever knew been outside the valley. And the American soldiers he saw were the first people he'd ever met who weren't from his valley. This wow. was his entire world. Those wall, those four mountains he's looking at, that is the world as he knows it. They talked about elections in Kabul, and, they, and, and he was quizzing them going, what do we elect? Who are we electing? Like, what do you mean? Yeah. What's it? What, like, like who are the these soul, like Where's the, Kabul? The soldier <laughs> we had on our air yesterday who said, we went in there to tamp down, to get rid of the terrorist threat. Yeah. We did that in the first few weeks, few months. Yeah. That was completed. Why did we feel the need to stay another 19 years to teach them then how that we wanted them? This is not how you could be. What was no. the line we heard? Uh, I, I, boy, this one stuck with me from one of our guests. That the Taliban commander said, the Americans have all the watches. We have all the time. Yep. And they Case just closed. They just waited. They go, yeah. we're... We know you'll go home eventually. We don't have anywhere else to go. Wow. So we'll just wait you guys out. Might be one of the reasons why you think we're going to heck in a handbasket. Judy says she restore your faith in humanity now. So here is how to pivot. Once the largest steel mill in the world, the Sparrows Point Shipyard in Maryland, will provide new jobs in Baltimore as a manufacturer of wind turbine parts. United Steelworkers Union will partner with U.S. Wind as it transforms that former steel mill into a manufacturing facility, supporting the growth of offshore wind energy. Now, the union has pledged to work with the company to recruit and train local workers. It says the loss of that steel mill, which once employed thousands of people, was a huge blow to the Baltimore community and to U.S. manufacturing as a whole. Now... Here's a chance to create the jobs of the future right on the historic site. That plant expected to support more than 500 permanent jobs as well as 3,500 construction jobs. Outstanding. Good for them. Yeah, you got to pivot. We got, we got a couple steel mills here, I, I think, that we say, could uh, turn into something. Sitting empty that somebody needs to figure out how to repurpose those. Mm -hmm. and look forward as opposed to look back. Again. Probably don't need more coal miners. Yeah. Just going to throw it out there. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> uh, thank you for that. Also, thanks a lot to MG and the posse over there in Mission Control, hitting all the buttons, making things happen. Our infant producer, Miranda, she's on the other side of the double-pane bulletproof glass doing her work. Thank you. DJ Cheese on the ones and twos. Thank you, sir. And Nick Gale, who's uh, on deck, rip-roaring, ready to go, as only Nick can be. Yeah. You like that? Do you feel rip-roaring today, Nick? Nickster. I can tell. <laughs> All right. Hey, he's got news, traffic, weather, info, everything you need to get your morning started properly. Nick's got it for you. Coming up next right here on 890 WLS.